it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, well, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 36. I'm Dave Ahern and Andrew Sather is here as well. Tonight, we're going to talk about Tesla. Tesla is going to be our, our whipping boy tonight. So I'm going to start off by chatting a little bit about a article that Andrew forwarded to me. He subscribes to the Stansbury Digest. And Porter Stansbury is one of Andrew's mentors and one of his favorites. And he sent me this email a few weeks ago that was really kind of awesome. And it talks a lot about Tesla. So I thought that would be a great place for us to start. And then we'll just kind of riff off of that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, I'll just kind of quote here from the article real quick, and then we'll kind of go get into it. Uh, as Porter says, as, as we explained many times, it's not that we have a problem with the electric car makers products, rather it's bus questionable ethics and the fact that it's simply a terrible business. Tesla has missed virtually every manufacturing deadline and sales target it has ever set. It loses money on every car it sells. I'm going to say that again. It loses money on every car it sells. Despite forcing taxpayers to subsidize a huge portion of the cost, it has burned through nearly $10 billion since 2012. $10 billion holds another $10 billion in debt and has never, ever turned a profit. And yet somehow we're supposed to believe the company is worth more than $56 billion today. I believe it is the largest by market cap automaker in the United States as we speak today, which is just <laughs> obscene. So I think those facts kind of speak for themselves, but I know Andrew has a few things he'd like to, to say about this and we'll kind of get going. Oh yeah. I mean, that fires me up. So it was a very timely email too, because uh, when was it? Uh, back in October 3rd. So that's when I got this email from them. And then today it's the 14th when we're recording this and it's actually big on the news right now that Tesla just laid off 400 workers. So when you talk about like the whole ethics of Tesla, the company, and you know, obviously we're going to get into the financials and, and the valuation and, and the stock price and how all of that relates on itself. And so you, you have to know, just like we talked about with Snapchat in one of our previous episodes, just like we're always pounding the table about 
about how there's these bubbles, there's been bubble mania, tulip mania, all these sorts of things that we've seen historically. And Tesla is like a spinning image of that today with the way that its stock price has gone and what it's continuing to do, despite the fact that, like you just said, they are losing money, not only from a complete earnings perspective as far as total annual earnings, but per car sold. Um, that, that's pretty ridiculous and it's bad. And a reason that I have such a big problem with it is not only is it against what I, how I try to invest. Obviously, I'm always, we're always talking about going for a margin of safety with an emphasis on the safety. So, preservation of our capital is number one. We're we're trying to get into these companies that are very strong financially, and Tesla unchecks all those boxes. It's 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 not in a great strong financial position. It's not creating lots of earnings and profits and dividends for its shareholders. And so not only that, but there's like the email said, there's like a moral ethical side to this that that's not really discussed much. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be far from the first person to say that I'm some sort of altruistic guy who, who has really great intention. You know, I'm not like the Pope. Okay. I, I'm definitely very, very selfish. And a lot of the things I do are very self selfishly motivated. And I'll admit to that. However, there there's a ba- there's a basic sense of human responsibility and and like empathy you need to have to understand that there's a lot of people whose lives and and livelihoods are at stake when it comes to the way sor- certain corporations are run and so i think tesla absolutely falls into that category of being run in a way that is not responsible and 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 not a prudent thing and it's not good for shareholders and so shareholders need to examine that and put the power on their side and understand that they need to recognize if 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 a business is doing yourself good if it's treating you right then then you you recognize that and and you feel safe putting your money into that. I don't think Tesla's in that situation. And number 2, I feel like there's a responsibility to the workers there. You you don't you don't want, you know, I I don't know Elon Musk personally and I don't know you know, I don't want to comment on whether he's doing a bad job or not, but the fact of the matter is, is it's pretty obvious that there's a big focus on growth and it seems to be growth at any cost. And, you know, we're, we, we saw them take a ton of money from the government. Um, they continued to take money this time from investors and that's how they've been able to finance a lot of these losses. And sure, that works fine in the short term and it can make shareholders right now are making a lot of money, but it's all short term. And so if there's a bubble that's forming and historically we've seen bubbles and the way bubbles work is that at the end of the day, a lot of people get left holding the bag. And so those people are going to be shareholders. By definition, if a, if a bubble pops, more people are going to be losing money than less. And so while they're all seeing profits in their in their portfolio now if it's not real if it's not based on fundamental principles the real financials of a business and a business growing in a real way and not just because there's a lot of hype then you're going to have a lot of people lose a lot of money once the whole thing pops so again there's it's not the right way to treat shareholders that are trusting and putting all, all of their money into this company and employees too because 
employees are, are obviously working hard. And if you're building a business model that's more focused on trying to grow that revenue and that top line rather than create sustainability and create a comfort level that and, and a stability that when things don't go right from an earnings or a revenue perspective, you still have that cushion to be able to keep uh, employees employed. And obviously with what's going on in the past week, we're seeing the consequences of running a business that's so focused on growth that you're building all this hype and you're, you're kind of taking all other sorts of practical wisdom and just kind of tossing it aside in the, you know, let's be honest in it's all being done to, to prop up Elon Musk's name to prop up and show how, how innovative and how much achievement he's been able to do. And while it's not necessarily wrong, I don't think it's right to sacrifice the shareholders and the employees just to make that happen. I, I agree with a hundred, what you were saying, 110% that, you know, one of the things that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger talked about in several of their writings and speeches that they've given is, you know, when you look at the CEO, is it more about him or is it more about the company and the shareholders? And I would argue that in this case, it's more about him than it is about the shareholders or the company. And let's talk some cold hard facts here for just a minute. So one of the things that, that Musk has been promising people is this Model 3 sedan, which is kind of their new car was supposed to be a more cost-effective, cheaper, lower-end version that they could produce more of and that more people could buy, you know, the average person could buy. And he promised that they would produce 100 units in August, 1,500 in September, and a huge 20,000 per month by December. And by the end of the quarter in September, they had made 260. That's it. And that's it. I mean, you know, uh, according to Kerry, uh, Carl Bauer, who's the executive publisher for Kelly Blue Book, the ramp up that he was promising his shareholders and the people that have bought these cars is unprecedented, even among experienced high volume car makers like GM, Ford, you know, Volkswagen, any of these people that are doing this, you know, they can't even match that production level. So, you know, for people to buy into what he's selling is just, it's sad. And, you know, he's not fulfilling his promises by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, there's all kinds of articles coming out on Seeking Alpha about, you know, the production problems they're having with this car, you know, and this was supposed to be the car that was really going to put them on the map. And, you know, Andrew was talking a lot about the growth. And, you know, I guess what kept popping into my head while I was listening to him talk is what growth? What is he making that there's there's no assets in this company. There's none. And, you know, it's it's so completely overvalued at this point that the price has really gotten to the point now where it's all about him and what he says he can do. It has to do with the actual ability of the company to produce what he's saying he's, he can do. And I'll give him props for being a great salesman. He's obviously a great salesman, and he obviously electrifies his, his, you know, his followers. But you know, the proof is in the pudding and it's not, it's not coming up with what he's saying he can do. And this isn't just a one-time thing. This is since the company is, was founded and it's been like this over and over and over again. And another thing that I want to add on to what I'm talking about is there have been in the last two or three weeks, there have been announcements from the, the big, 
you know, experienced car producers like uh, BMW, Volkswagen. Uh, who else was it? Uh, there was another GM uh, have all announced that they're planning on going almost all electric cars by 2020 or 2025, that they're going to stop producing, you know, gasoline engine, you know, powered vehicles. So you think about the resources and the experience that these companies have, this is just going to bury Tesla. And, you know, at some point the bubble is going to burst and people are going to lose so much money. And it's, it's sad. And it's become a company now where I think people are more gambling on, you know, shorting the company as opposed to thinking that it has a long-term growth and a long-term plan. And yes, if you had bought it when it first was came out, you would have made a lot of money, but it's, it's fool's gold. And you know, it's not, it's not worth speculating on. And this is in my mind is completely 100% a, a speculation and all the, the, uh, all the metrics that Andrew and I've talked about, you know, time and time again, you can't even calculate them with this company because they have zero earnings. They're making no money. They're losing money. I mean, you think about yourself. If you had, you know, if your checking account was ni- minus $10,000, would any, would you be able to live anywhere? No. Would you be able to buy any groceries? No. Would you be able to buy gas or go out to eat with your wife? No. None of those things. And so that's really what this company is operating on. They're operating on the good graces of other people because they're losing money. I mean, just just kind of wrap your head around that for a minute. The fact that they have not made a single penny since they've started out. I mean, even companies that you know people bash and talk about how boring they are, like Colgate, you know, is making tons of money. You know, but Tesla, who's exciting and, you know, it's sexy. They've not made one penny for their shelters, not one. So, you know, it's just, it's a scary, scary proposition for me. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. 
Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yeah, there's so much in there that I'd love to talk about. Uh, specifically, you know, you, you said that there are a lot of people who are shorting the company and betting that the company is going to fail because a lot of, you know, while a lot of people are just throwing their money and kind of buying into the hype, you'll even see online people will say, yeah, I'm, I'm buying because it's Elon Musk. Like, like there's no logic. Right. It's just literally like fanboy is just throwing money away. Um, and so if you look at like a simple metric that, that tells you how much people are shorting, there's a metric called short float and this is on Finviz. Uh, right now it's at 24.15%, which is very high. Um, a lot of people are, are betting that the company is going to go down and that this isn't sustainable. What's interesting about that and something you should understand about when there's a lot of shorts is that that's what actually causes the stock to pop up uh, really quickly at times. They're, they're called like short squeezes. So <clears throat> when a when the stock gets like forward momentum and you're shorting it, then because the way shorts work is you're borrowing money to bet against the company. And so if you start to lose money on that short position, the broker is going to call you up and tell you, you need to put more money down as collateral or else we're going to close your position. So what that does is it squeezes the people who are shorting the stock. And so as those, what they call margin calls, as those margin calls come in, some people aren't able to make those margin calls or they're not able to put capital, whatever it may be. So it'll, it'll push that stock up even higher because that short position gets canceled. And so you'll have like these really high increases in, in just a couple of days. And so that's why you'll see Tesla on the news a lot. And, and they'll be talking about how, oh, you know, Tesla went up 10% today, 12% today. It's because Musk said this, or, you know, it's because of the, the new model three coming out. When in reality, a lot of the, the stock gain is, is coming because of these short squeezes. And so at the end of the day, if what Dave and I are saying are correct, and a lot of these shorts believe is that this company is crazily overvalued. Well, sure, you might see these short squeezes and these and these kind of run-ups here in the short term, but over the long term, is this really a company you want to be owning until 2020, 2025, when they're going to have steep, steep competition? They're not turning a profit, even though they said they, they would be turning a profit at this point. And it's just all the numbers are showing that it's just what Musk has been doing this whole entire time. He's been over-promising, under-delivering, and it's going to really, really hurt a lot of shareholders. And so it's one of the big reasons why we're so adamant about, you know, you can go into the market and sure, you know, guys like us, we don't know everything about the market. We don't, you know, it's impossible to know every single analysis about every single company. Uh, we're not trying to say we're the next Warren Buffetts or anything like that. But we do recognize that you can give yourself a significant advantage over the average investor by simply staying away from these companies that are screaming that you shouldn't buy them yet people time and time again throw money into them. And so yes, while the the stock has grown a lot. Yes, the the Tesla is a very cool car, you know. 
they're saying how it can go zero to 60 in under three seconds. It's, it's quite extraordinary. But at the end of the day, this is you putting money into the stock market. This is you buying ownership, buying shares as a part owner of a company. And these are things that you need to consider. So another point you made, Dave, was that this company has no assets. And I completely agree. If you look at one of the simple valuations, you know, if, if, if you're a beginner and, and you don't know where, what valuations to start at when we're talking about valuations or what metrics to start at when we're talking about metrics. Uh, either listen to the episode we did. We did a complete episode, a complete guide on valuation. And uh, a lot of the valuations you'll hear us talk about in the whole show, you can hear about there. Or you can also download the ebook at uh, stockmarketpdf.com that, that goes in the middle and the end of the episode that you hear about. You can read that ebook and it will also tell you about these metrics that we'll discuss. So when we talk about assets and we talk about a company, a company's price to book is a good way to look at the relation of a company's assets to how expensive it is. So it's a, if it's a very high price to book, that means either it's doesn't have many assets or there's a ton of liabilities that go along with their assets or the company's really expensive compared to its assets or a combination of all three. So, I mean, in the sense of Tesla, a lot of it is really just being low in assets and high in price. Their price to book right now, according to Finviz, is 11.5. To give you some perspective on that, I'm looking at the rest of their competitors in Finviz, these auto manufacturers that are at least 10 billion or more. So it's like, you know, significant. We're not talking about little players, but big players in the auto industry. The rest of these guys, let's see, what is this? Toyota at 1.1. Uh, Tata, I don't know who that is, but that's 2.6 and they're, I guess they're in India and they have a huge market cap. So it's a huge company. General Motors, 1.5. Here we got Tesla at 11.5. And then you got like Honda at uh, 0.82, Ford's at 1.4. And then the only other company that's like at just as high of a price to book is Ferrari. So you have all these competitors and they're, they're, they have these assets so that it's like a real business with real value. And then you have Tesla and, and Tesla has just been getting all of this attention. And like Dave said, they have negative earnings. They have little assets. If you look at thing like price to sales, they're like five to 10 times more expensive than the, than these other competitors on the price to sales perspective as well. So a lot of different things that are going wrong for it besides just the fact that, you know, it's losing money on, on every car it manufactures. So these are some of the type of things that you should look for that will signal to you that, yes, not only is the company possibly a bubble because a lot of people agree it is, but these are the cold hard facts. These are the, the numbers. These are the, the numbers that everybody can see that are in a company's financials that tell us that, yes, this company is not a good investment and it would be best for me to keep my money away from it so that when the bubble does pop, I'm not left holding the bag. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. Exactly. And you know, and Sasha gave a really good analogy for why you should invest in a company like this because a lot of people out there were probably saying, well, yeah, if I, if I buy into it now, if I set a, you know, trailing stop on it and then I can just get out of it. Well, 
it's not quite always that easy. And, you know, there are a limited amount of buyers and sellers in the market. And the way the stock market works is for every time you have to sell, you want to sell a company, there has to be somebody willing to buy it. And if the bubble bursts on Tesla, and it will, then you may get left caught holding the bag just because, you know, he, he used an analogy of, you know, if you're in a room and everybody, you know, somebody pulls the fire alarm and everybody tries to get out of the room and there's only one door in the room, only so many can, people can get out at, at a time. And it's kind of like a balloon, you know, the, the air is going to go out one place and it, only so much air is going to go out at a, at a certain time. And so only so much can get out. And it's kind of the same situation with, you know, with this, so, you know, if you're one of these people that buy it and you expect it to go up and let's say it does go up for a period of time and, you know, you're thinking, sweet, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to make all this money, but the flip side is, is that if it does burst and you're on vacation or you're not paying attention, you could lose everything because if you're not on top of it a hundred percent of the time, then you could really, really get burned. And I'm not saying that that couldn't happen in the stock market overall, but it's something in a situation like this where it's just so obviously, you know, a, you know, a speculation is something you're going to have to watch every single day. And are you really committed to doing that? And that's really where it can really bite you in the butt. And that's why, you know, Andrew and I stay away from these kinds of things. And that's why we talk about companies like this and Snapchat is because they are, it's all hype. You know, the, there's no real assets. There's nothing, there's nothing there that you're really buying. When you're buying a stock, you're buying a business. It's simple, you know, economics. And when you buy this kind of stuff, you're speculating, you're gambling. And, you know, like Andrew was saying about the fanboy, you're, you know, you're much better served to go out and buy the, your favorite album or two and listen to that for the rest of your life. Cause you're going to get far more enjoyment out of that than you are the money you're going to blow on investing in Tesla. And it's just not a good investment. It just, it, it isn't. And I'll give you another little quick story and then I'm kind of out of info for me. So, uh, you guys all know, I used to work for a bank. I remember very vividly one day a couple came in and wanted to borrow some money to buy a car. And I thought, okay, great. You know, we can, I'll help you with this. So we sat down, we started talking and, uh, I've asked them what kind of car do they want to buy? They said, we want to buy a Tesla. I said, okay. And I really didn't know that much about the company or the car. I'd heard of them, but I wasn't really connecting anyway. They, so we got to the point of the interview where I have to ask them all these questions. And the question I had to ask them at that point was how much do you need, do you guys need to borrow? And they said $100,000. And I went, I'm sorry. And they said, we need, yeah, that's how much the car costs. I went, uh, okay. And I thought, well, yeah, this is going to be difficult. So that is above, that was above my limit. So we had a private banker who was also a licensed banker. And I went and chatted with him for a minute and suggested that maybe these people should sit down with him because he has a bigger limit that he can borrow than I can. So he went and sat down with, they came, they went over and sat down with him and he did, he did, he did a little more digging and he found out that, that they were going to, they wanted to buy this car, but here was the kicker that they had to borrow a hundred thousand dollars, but they weren't going to get the car for three years. So they were going to pay on this loan for three years before they were going to get that car. And of course, Wells Fargo, who I worked for at the time was like, yeah, no, not going to happen. Uh, they, a didn't, they didn't make enough money and we were never going to allow them to, to, you know, 
buy it, you know, you know, buy that car. They just, cause the, you know, the bank has to have an asset if there's ever a default on a loan so they can try to recover their money. And, you know, so you think about that for a minute, you know, that that's their business model is, is that they got people coming in floating this money waiting for these vehicles. So, you know, when Elon Musk goes on TV and talks about all this production, he's, he's selling these cars and you can argue about the, you know, ethicalness of this, but so these people are going, trying to borrow a hundred thousand dollars to buy a car that they're not going to get for two or three years or longer because the company can't produce them fast enough. So, you know, just wrap your head around that for a minute. That's insane. I guess you can't it really is. put a, a lean on a, on a piece of steel that's sitting in the <laughs> manufacturing plant, right? Well, it hasn't even, in our, you could argue it hasn't even been built yet. Not steel, aluminum, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't yeah, even exactly. been built. But right. I, I really love the point you make, too, about not being able to sell to somebody that, you know, when, when the stock does crash, somebody needs to buy, somebody needs to be on the other side of your sell. And another thing to consider is, too, like, okay even if you're gonna try to ride these trends and, and kind of buy low sell high at what point does it stop you know if if this if this is really obviously a huge hype right now but we know how many hypes have we ever seen last you can look in history and i'll tell you the answer is never so do you really want to build a investing philosophy for yourself that depends on finding these kind of hypes and timing them because once the Tesla hype's gone, then what do you do? You just sit around and watch your money underneath the mattress and wait for the next Tesla? It's just not smart. Uh, when there's plenty of businesses out there, like you said, like companies like Colgate who who make profits, uh, Warren Buffett talks about, there was a time, and I heard this on another podcast, where you know Bill Gates was really telling Buffett that he should get into the tech boom and and all the internet stocks which we've talked about before how that all ended up for investors with the dot com and any company that had a dot com on their name was going through the roof with their stock price and then it all crashed one day so bill gates was telling buffett to to get in on this and buffett got so much ridicule because he never he never really bought these new technology stocks that were changing the world and they were the internet had been something we had never seen before Tesla is something we've never seen before. You know, cars have always run on gas and, and then they had hybrids and now Tesla comes out. And it, obviously there's huge demand for the product if people are waiting to wait three years. But again, that doesn't make it a good business. Just because you have a great product doesn't make you a good business. You need to have the, the numbers and the financials behind them. And so what Buffett said to Gates was, you know, is, is this new innovation going to change the way I chew gum? And, and, Gates says no. And so Buffett says, well, you know, I don't want a part of it. Buffett has options to buy all these different types of companies that already make money and, and don't need innovation to put cash into the investor's pockets. And so these are the type of companies you want to look for. It's really that black and white at the end of the day. There's a wide variety of business models and the even the definition of a business model is evolving throughout the years and through the decades as we're seeing the business world change. But at the end of the day, companies and businesses create profits and those profits go back to shareholders and the value of a company increases. So you can choose whether to get into a good business model or a bad business model. And really the best way to evaluate that is with these fundamental principles that we talk about, things like assets, earnings, 
sales, dividends. <clears throat> These are all things you need to look at. So kind of like you, you know, uh, I think I've, I've, I've run out of, of things to say about Tesla, even though I could, I could talk all day. I don't want to repeat myself, but I just really urge people to stay away from it. And if you're in it, it's, it's not too late to get out now. I understand the stock since the early two thousands. It's, I don't know. I don't know if it's 10 X or even more. Definitely since 2013, it's gone from like a hundred to, or even 50 to like 355 today. So looking at the stock chart, you see it's, it's made some significant gains, but that doesn't mean long-term growth. That doesn't mean long-term value produced by a company. And that doesn't mean it's an investment you want to hold in your portfolio. So the action plan is obviously stay away from a company like Tesla. And then the other thing is to understand that there are a lot of companies that aren't priced this high. You don't have to pay this high of a valuation to get a great business. And so instead of falling into the hype and potentially getting into yourself, potentially getting yourself into a position where the leader of the company might not have your best interests at heart, look for the companies and the businesses with good business models, the ones that you've seen weather the storms and past recessions, the ones where management obviously cares about its shareholders, cares about its employees and put your money into those. And so if you can learn how to identify those type of companies and, and learn how to look at a, a balance sheet or a financial statement and be able to perceive that that's the situation that a company is in, then that's a skill that that's going to take you for the rest of your life. And you're not going to have to worry about being some sort of person who's in on all the new trends and the new innovations. You don't have to worry about being the first person in line. All you have to do is already go to the places where there's money being made and you'll be able to do this for the rest of your investing career. And it's, it's, it's very, very powerful. And not only does it save you a lot of heartache and a lot of money loss, but it also provides you an outlet to be able to create a bunch of investment returns for yourself for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's, yeah, preach on brother. That's, that's exactly right. That's, you know, that's the whole philosophy behind what we're trying to help teach people here. And, you know, I think that's, you know, really where we're trying to go with all this. And we're not trying to, you know, be, you know, so negative all the time. We're not being negative all the time, but we come across, you know, articles or companies about things that just kind of get us fired up and we want to try to help save you the pain of, you know, investing in a company like this that, you know, can really hurt you in the long run. And that's not what we want to see anybody go through. Margin of safety with an emphasis on the safety, right, Dave? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it. That's our, that's our call sign, if you will. So I guess, you know, without any further ado, I think that's going to wrap us, wrap, wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us. Uh, if you have a moment, give us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear more from that. And without any further ado, go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Find some good intrinsic value. You guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day.
The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and/or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 